The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. So it's my first Sunday back preaching. Um, I've got some pent-up energy. All right, just uh, so you know, I'll probably preach a couple hours. That's just um, bare bare bones. Uh, Also, fun fact, today is the 400th sermon at Fathom Church. So, I mean, take that as you will. I don't know uh, what that means. But um, normally, normally I would say at this point, hey, let's open up our Bibles. Uh, let's crack them open because we normally preach uh, verse by verse through books of the Bible. Uh, that's what we've done all summer. We did Matthew all summer, and we will do that in the fall. Okay, just for a little sneak peek, we're going to do Ephesians this fall. Uh, we are going to start into uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians this fall. And so uh, I'm really excited for this. This is going to be an excellent uh, book. But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little pastor's privilege for the next few weeks, and I'm going to do what we don't normally do. I'm going to preach some theologically rich topical sermons, I think, um, in a little mini-series we're calling uh, Sabbatical, What I Learned. Okay? What did I learn on this thing as I was not here um, being your pastor? Uh, So that's what we're going to do today and for the next few weeks. Uh, And so before I left for my sabbatical, I preached a message on sabbatical. You may remember that or you probably forgot it, but that's fine. Um, Where I talked about how I like to rest. How I like how I rest. Um, And I told you that in my line of work, uh, my job requires me to study and read a lot and then and then sit at my little glowing rectangle in my office and write a lot. And then I meet with people like most of you. I, I sit with you and I have meetings with you. And that's my job. And so so that means that when I rest, I normally try to rest a bit more actively. I told you this, I I, I like to go for runs and I like to go mountain biking and I like to fish and I go skiing, pretty much everything awesome. That's what I like to do, okay, when I'm resting. And so that was my plan. That was part of my sabbatical plan, active rest. So here's what I did, okay? On the first day uh, of sabbatical, I ran eight miles. Went with a friend from the church. We went and ran eight miles. Second day, I went for a 13-mile mountain bike ride, which was excellent, okay? On the third day, I ran, I I needed to cool down a little bit, so I ran another five miles just to kind of cool it down a little bit. But then the fourth day of sabbatical, something happened, (laughs) which apparently you know about, (laughs) some of you. Something unexpected happened on the fourth day of sabbatical. I was going to have lunch with a pastor friend of mine at Breckenridge Brewery, uh, and he texted me before we went, and he said, hey, how about we meet uh, a couple hours early, and we can ride my electric longboard skateboards along the Platte River. Like, we can just go and do that. And I was like, sounds good. I'm in, right? Like, more active rest. This is going to be excellent, okay? Uh, And just so you know, I skateboarded as a teenager, so, like, I felt like I had a little bit of background in this, all right? I I had a longboard in college that I would just, like, uh, at CCU, kind of rolling all over the place with, and I have snowboarded for more than 25 years of my life. So this felt like something that was doable, just so you're aware, okay? Uh, And listen, it was excellent for the first hour, (laughs) 
It was pretty good for the first hour. Uh, we rode along the Platte River Trail into Chatfield State Park, uh, and then we rode up the path to the top of the dam. We rode uh, over and across the top of the dam, which is, if you've not brought a bike up there or walked up there, it's really cool to get up there. All awesome. Uh, and then we started our descent down the backside of the dam back to the Platte River to get to Breck for lunch. That was the plan. And I hadn't gone downhill on this board up until that point. So the controls, you have this little thing in your hand, the control thing, and it's got a trigger for speed. That's your throttle is a trigger. And it's got a little lever over here for your brake. That's the electric brake that is there. And I hadn't used the brake yet because everywhere I was going was either flat or it was uphill. So I just let go of the trigger whenever I wanted to slow down and it would just slow down. So uh, as we start down the backside of the dam, I'm not using the throttle. Just so you know, I'm just taking, I'm coasting down the backside of the dam. Uh, and I look at the speed on the little control. It's got a little number on there. And it's getting faster and faster. And apparently gravity still works because it was going faster. And, I, and it said 20. And then it said 25 and then it said 28, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. This isn't happening, right? Um, now, uh, it was too fast. Now, what my friend, who shall remain nameless, failed to mention, is that when you press the little brake lever and it engages, it just gives you a little jolt, which would have been really helpful information at the top of the dam, <laughs> Right? I had lunch with him this week, and I was not pleased. But uh, because as I neared 30 miles per hour going downhill, I pressed that brake lever ever so gently, felt the jolt, lost my balance, and I slammed on the street. I, I slammed my hip, landed on my hip, slid along my back, and then rolled into a ditch where I laid for 30 minutes, okay, uh, while he rode out, back to Breck, got the truck, came around, picked me up, and took me to the emergency room. I couldn't walk, okay? I literally couldn't walk. I couldn't put any weight on my left hip. I had to be helped. I got to the ER. I had to be helped out of my car into the wheelchair by two 20-year-old nurses, and they wheeled me in to the emergency room. Here's a picture of me in all my glory. <laughs> so that was three months ago, Okay. Uh, the ER doc walks into that room and he opens with, well, sir, uh, I had to look twice at your date of birth when it said skateboard injury on your chart. <laughs> he said, we think you may have fractured your pelvis. Listen, when they're worried about you breaking a hip, you have aged out of skateboarding, right? I think that's, that should be the rule of thumb. Thankfully, I did not uh, break my hip, okay? Uh, I actually have, had a deep bone bruise on my pelvis. I had road rash from my hip all the way up my back to my shoulder, and I broke two ribs. Um, so uh, sabbatical, I got three solid days of active rest. I mean, they were great. They were, I was feeling so good. And then for the next six weeks, I was eating ibuprofen every six hours. Like I was managing pain and nursing that injury for the next six weeks. This was not what I expected. This was completely unexpected. And listen, immediately I felt depressed. Like I felt frustrated. I, I felt like I had wrecked my sabbatical. 
Not just my sabbatical, our sabbatical. Um, but the Lord taught me something in this. So today's theological topic that we're going to dig into um, about what I learned on sabbatical is, is this. It's the church. God taught me something about the church when my sabbatical plans unexpectedly shift, shifted. And I think it was actually profound for my heart. So let's, I want to work through some things this morning, and I think it'll be applicable to us as we round the corner into the end of this sermon. So the church, I want to talk about the church today. The church is one of the things that seems uh, very simple, but can get much more complicated the more that we think about it. It seems simple, but it can be complicated quickly. It's one of those things that I think we understand and grasp, like we get it, like we're like, oh yeah, the church, until we actually start really processing on it. So here, here's, people will say things like this. I go to this church. I go to that church. I go to your church. Oh, you should come to my church. People say things like this. Or they'll say, I used to go to that church. <gasps> Not anymore, right? Or now I go to this church. And then sometimes you'll say, oh man, church was so good today. Or other times you'll be like, oh gosh, church was so boring. I almost fell asleep. Certainly never here, right? But like that's something that you might say. Sometimes you'll say, um, sometimes you'll say things like to a close friend, you'll say, oh, you, you're, my, you're like my church. Like to your closest people, you're like, oh, you guys are my church. You're being church to me. So the question I want to ask is, is the church a place or is it an event? Or is it an experience that you might have, whether good or bad? Or is it a group of people? What is the church? And the answer to that, those questions is yes. The church is all of those things, actually. Biblically, the church is all of those things. So I'm going to rapid fire you some scriptures up on the screen. Uh, this is Romans 16. This is what Paul says, uh, greet Pris Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Greet also the church in their house. So apparently the church can be a group of believers gathered in a house. Okay, that's one definition of church from the Bible. Uh, but then 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Okay, so the church is a group of believers in a house, and the church is also all the believers in a city, maybe multiple little fellowships of believers. But then it gets even bigger because Acts chapter 9 says this, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Okay, so the church is a group of believers in a house. Church is also all the believers in a city. Church is now defined as all the believers in like an area or a region. The church, okay, so it's like to all the, the, the believers in Littleton and Centennial and Parker and Aurora, or maybe not Aurora, like maybe we leave them out, right? <laughs> Kidding, all right? I love Aurora. I love it. Love leaving it, but... Um. <laughs> so, but it's all the region, all this region. Then Ephesians chapter 5 kind of blows this one out of the water. Husbands, love your wives 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now that one's different. Because all of a sudden there's not a geographical or relational location added to this. This isn't in any reference to one specific church. So just looking at those few scriptures, the church is, a believer, is believers in a house. The church is believers in a city. It's all the believers in a region. But now the church is also all believers everywhere in all of time. So yeah, this thing is a little complex. It can get complex. Now for years, as I've preached here, I've said things like this. The church isn't a place. It's a people. That's a good preacher alliteration, right? Right? The church isn't come and see. It's go and do, right? You are the church. We, this isn't the church building. You are the church. Just, I'll say things like this. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian, Right? Going to church makes you as much of a Christian as sticking your head in the oven makes you a turkey. We say this all the time. <laughs> and so, yes, and amen to all of those things. The church is people, but it's also a place. The church is go and do, but, but hear me, it's also come and see. And that turkey thing, I think, is just true, okay? Um, but but I, I, tr- I believe these statements to be true, and I know people who have been in church for years and years, sometimes for decades and decades, only to finally have like their eyes open, like the scales falling off their eyes to a need for a relationship with Jesus Christ, to really believe the gospel. So yes, you can be a part of the church. You can be here in the church, and you can miss Jesus. And if that's your testimony, man, praise the Lord that he kept you here and that eventually the scales fell off your eyes. And frankly, if you've just kind of been playing church for a long time, maybe here, maybe elsewhere, all of those things are true. Okay, you're not a Christian because you come here. Okay, you're, you're not a Christian because your parents raised you in the church. You're not a Christian because you went to a Christian school or because even you say it, you identify as a Christian. See, you're you're only a Christian if you have submitted your life to the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's how you know if you are a Christian. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily, at least initially, with the church. But what I realized on my sabbatical is that there is an opposite problem. There's a different problem. Yeah, I think it's a problem that in churches today, there are people who may not be genuinely Christian, But there are now also Christians who don't think that belonging to a church is important. It's like the opposite has happened. And so I want to talk about the church and its importance to the Christian. Um, Now, theologians have done some good work on this, and they've given us, essentially, they've taken the church and they've given us two categories so if you studied theology, maybe you went through our theology class a couple of years ago, you may remember this, but theologians give two categories. They give the category of the local church, and then they give the category of the universal church. So this is a theology lesson today, okay? Local church, universal church. So if you were around this summer and you met Pastor Tim Dunham this summer, our missions partner in Thailand, who we're going to go visit in January, well... He is a pastor of a local church, Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship. 
Okay, that's a local church. And everyone from his church, if they kind of got together with everyone from Fathom Church and then everyone from every other church in the city or in the world, and frankly, in all of time, if you get all the Christians of history together, that is defined as the universal church. Sometimes call, people will, will kind of call that big C church, right? The big C church. In the Apostles' Creed, if you were raised maybe in a, a mainline or a higher church tradition, you may have said the Apostles' Creed, and they call it the Holy Catholic Church. Not Catholic, like Roman Catholic sort of church, like popes and stuff. Not that Catholic. Like Catholic meaning the universal church. So if you are a Christian, you are a part of the universal church. And the universal church is all Christians everywhere in all of time. That's the universal church. That's what Paul is referring to in Ephesians, in Ephesians 5. Okay, Jesus, the text said he gave himself up for the church. Not just for the church in Corinth, not just for the church in Ephesus, or for our church right here. He gave himself up for all the church, all of the church, the universal church, all Christians in, uh, in all locations for all of time. So that's the universal church. But then there's this idea of the local church theologically. And the local church is not all Christians. It's a particular group. And it's not all locations. It's a particular location. And it's not in all of time, it's at a particular time. So local is a particular people in a particular place at a particular time. That means that this Fathom Church right now is a local church. We are a part of the universal church, but we are a local church. And Ching Mai Christian Fellowship, who met, I don't know, like 12 hours ago or something, they are a local church. Okay, the local church helps us live out our membership in the universal church. It helps us become a part of the larger movement of all Christians at all times in all places. It's where individual people and families choose voluntarily to be accountable in our discipleship process to one another. That's the local church. Church. So people will often point to Hebrews 10. That's why I had it read over us this morning to make a case for the local church. Let me read this again. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is in the habit of some. So that always makes me feel good, that back in Paul's day, people weren't coming to church either. So that makes me feel good. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that's the local church. It's a definition, a descriptor of the local church. Stirring up one another. Loving one another. Meeting together, not neglecting that. Encouraging one another. Actually, if we were to look at the whole New Testament and we picked it apart, there are 59 commands in the New Testament that teach us how to relate to one another. We call them the one another's, the 59 one another's. And they are only things that can be practiced within the context of a local church. This is lived out in the local church. Now, that's the theology. Okay, local, universal, the two expressions of the church. 
Now let's talk history for a second, historical. Throughout most of human history, it was unbelievably difficult for an average Christian in a local church to connect with the universal church in a real kind of tactile, meaningful way. So maybe you went to like a conference or a retreat and you would mingle with other Christians from other churches and that was universal exposure, right? Or you might subscribe to like a Christian publication or, or read a Christian book and actually engage with Christians that you'll never be in direct fellowship with. Like, but, but that was... Like to participate in the universal church for most of history was actually quite difficult. And if you think past like a hundred years ago, like into more ancient history, like let's just talk like medieval history or romantic history or whatever, like the Christian at that point might make some sort of pilgrimage to like a cathedral or something. But but it was exceedingly rare and difficult for a Christian to participate actively in the universal church. And so almost all of your experience of church was local. Almost all of your experience with church was local. In fact, I talked to a church historian this week and asked him this question about the whole universal local dynamic. And here's what he said to me. He said, historically, the only way you participate in the universal church was through the means of your local church. The only way you participate in the universal church is through the means of a local church. But in modern history, thanks to technology, uh, things like audio and video recordings, things like the internet and then social media and then live streaming and then throw onto that COVID, right? Forcing almost every single local church in the entire world into like a digital world. Because of all of those things, the content provided by the universal church is now at our fingertips. And listen, this is a historical novelty, no one has had the access to the universal church in history that we have today. Technology has made it easier than ever to connect with the universal church. Now, here's what that has done. It has made it possible to feel like you can get from the universal church some of the stuff that only the local church used to give you. It can make you feel like you can be discipled by something other than the local church. And man, COVID, all that did is just like kick that into gear by about 30 years. Just ratcheted it down and made it easier. I mean, th so there's stats out there. I've read tons of them. The stats are out. People are leaving their local churches in droves. It happened during COVID. It continues to happen. People are leaving their local churches. Now listen, not their faiths. They wouldn't say we're not Christians anymore. They'd say we're just not going to our local church anymore. And now here's how they do church. Here's how they do it. You, know, you podcast a sermon every once in a while. You got three or four of your favorite preachers on your Apple podcast or on Spotify or whatever. You follow your favorite preachers on Instagram. Get to see a little 30-second clip of those guys every single day. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, that's so good for my soul. Thank you, Jesus, right? Instagram. 
You got your favorite Maverick City playlist on podcast? Just digging that junk, okay? Maybe if you're uber committed, you're like right now, maybe you're uber committed and you logged onto an online service and you get a little praise hands emoji in that chat, right? But that's like next level. That's like next level commitment. That's like membership commitment. Maybe you're an elder. That's the next level, right? Okay. <laughs> maybe you don't give to a church, okay, but you sponsor three compassion kids. Okay, you grab coffee with a couple of your Christian friends from maybe previous churches uh, once a month or so, and that's like your Christian small group. And that's your cumulative experience of church. That's now how you define your church. But listen, this is new. Relatively, historically new. This is new. For the first time in human history, we have a huge number of what I'm calling universal church Christians only. They've rejected the need for the local church. And also a byproduct of this is that many have become disillusioned with their local church because it just isn't up to snuff with the content that they're consuming from the universal church. It's not as good when I can log into that guy down in Texas or that gal out in you know, Florida and I can just consume the best and brightest of my generation, no problem. This is the first time this has ever happened in history. Christians are now questioning the need for the local church and are trying to replace it with the universal church. It's never happened before in human history. Now, it sounds like I'm angry. Feels like I'm angry. I am a little angry, okay? But, um, but I genuinely don't want to be disparaging on the universal church. That's not my goal today. My goal today is not for you to like throw away your, your iPod. Does anybody have an iPod anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever device it is you listen to the podcasts on, okay? Like, listen, I, I, there are unbelievable benefits for the Christian from the universal church being at our fingertips, These are unbelievable gifts of God's common grace to us. Listen, I listen to podcasts. Okay, I follow different ministries and ministers online. Okay, I get my Maverick City on too, all right? Pretend like I go to a gospel church. It's it's great, okay? And, And we participate in this here at Fathom. We even pour into the universal church. Right? We stream and we video and we podcast and we post on social media, and you can see my little clips up there too. So I'm not being overly critical necessarily of that. Like, I want us to take full advantage of the universal church. I don't want you to hear me disparaging on this, but for the last three months, my family have been members of the universal church only. Exclusively for the last three months, we haven't been around Fathom, our church, okay? And what I want to do with the rest of the time that I have this morning is make a case for the necessity of the local church by just making three observations that Marcy and I kind of took from our experience on sabbatical, where we were only members of the universal church and did not have a local church home for those three months. So these are my three observations. They alliterate because I haven't done this for a minute and I needed to, okay? (laughs) First observation. The universal church cannot disciple you as well as the local church when it comes to spiritual practices. Practices. Listen, if you've been around here for longer than, well, three months, uh, you know that I'm a spiritual disciplines guy. You know I love the disciplines. 
I like to teach on them. I like to preach on them. I like to practice them. I mean, I believe in them, reading and praying and fasting and giving and Sabbathing. Like I do all the things. I love them. I think they're the most important part of your active participation in your sanctification process. You being disciplined, you practicing this faith. And I don't know if it was the skateboard injury or, or what, like that kind of derailed my plans, but I had, I had good discipline practices planned for my sabbatical. I had plans to like read good books for my, for my heart and like dig through the Bible. I actually at one point thought, maybe I'll read the whole Bible in 90 days. Just go for it. The whole sabbatical, read the whole Bible. And listen, I remember getting up day three, day four, day five, finding myself challenged more than I've been challenged in a long time. It was way harder to practice my faith than I expected. And listen, I'm kind of good at these things. Right? Like I'm a professional Christian at a certain level. You pay me to do these things. Like if anybody should be able to get up, read their Bible, pray, and like commune with the Father, I thought it was supposed to be me. But I'd get up to read my Bible and pray, and man, it would be a battle. It would be a battle. And honestly, there were days I just didn't do it. Especially after the accident when I started feeling a bit down on myself. When the things that I had planned did not turn out the way I expected, it was really easy for me to say, oh, I'm not going to do that today. Honestly, there's just some days we didn't do it, and, and, and we made all kinds of excuses. Marcy and I talked about this a lot. While we weren't reading our Bibles, we were drinking coffee on the back porch talking about why we weren't reading our Bibles, okay? Um, but we reflected on it and we realized that it's incredibly hard to maintain spiritual disciplines or practices outside of a local church. Listen, we need accountability. We need rhythm, weekly rhythms with our people. We need connection with a local body. And, and what happens is people get derailed when they get disconnected. We get derailed when we get disconnected. I mean, have you ever experienced this? Like you go on a vacation and you bring like a Bible and a book and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna sit on the beach, read the Bible, read this book, get some C.S. Lewis in me, pastor's gonna be pumped. And then only to two weeks later, come back from the beach and all at the bottom of your bag are those two books, untouched and some sand. And you're like, wait a second, I think I just vacationed from God. I actually don't know if I thought about him. The whole time I was in Mexico, what happened? I had a plan and it didn't play out. You missed church for a while only to find yourself just slipping out of your practices. Listen, it's hard enough to be disciplined when you're well-connected. But practices are so hard to follow through on when you're not meaningfully connected to a particular people in a particular place at a particular time. You need a local church the local church. That's my first observation. Second observation. The universal church cannot discipline, uh, disciple you as well as the local church when it comes to pain in your life. Pain. So right in the middle of my sabbatical, after the hip was starting to feel a little bit better, um, I got to take my dad on a special trip. 
Um, so we went back to our family lake house in upstate New York where we would visit every summer as a child. I would, my dad would take me there every summer as a child. So we went there. Um, and my, my dad is in his late 70s now. Uh, and his Parkinson's is it's progressing. I mean, he's still doing okay. But we just don't know how many more trips like this we were going to get. Uh, and so I really wanted to do something like a memory trip with him. Just go back, sit on the dock, reminisce, talk it all out. And we got there, and it was great. Like, we were having a great time. I I got a picture of us on the dock here. Maybe, Chad, if the picture of... There we are, okay. Um, That's me and my dad on the dock. Baptists ignore the beer in my dad's hand, okay? Um, so, So that's us on the lake, just hanging out. Now, right before we left for this trip, Marcy um, told me, she's like, I'm having some pain in my back. And it's like kind of coming around on my rib and then into my chest a little bit. And so, so I went to New York with dad. And on the second day that I was there, uh, she went to the doctor to get it checked out. And then she called me and I was on the dock just like this. And she called me um, and her doctor was very concerned and, and wanted her to immediately go get a mammogram. And so she tells me this on the phone, and I'm, I'm sitting on the dock, and, and immediately we're processing, and we're afraid, right? And we're anxious, and it's bringing up memories of previous medical scares. And, and listen, I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away. And, and now, had we been in our normal rhythms of church, our D group would have been the first call. They would have been the first ones over to the house, Right? The staff and the elders, they would have started praying. I mean, you, our church, you would have known and you would have been called into action. Prayer warriors, let's get this going. Our local church is where we bear one another's burdens. Our local church is where we bring our problems and we find care and counsel and compassion. But we didn't have you guys this summer. Now, we could have called. I get that. But like, I'm, it was an ex- it was an experience of, of not having a people. I don't worry, Mar- it turns out Marcy's okay. So I, t- I tell you that story though, because pain, like, like real life pain, okay? Which is coming, by the way, for each and every one of us, okay? Maybe, maybe you're in a season of pain, real pain right now. Maybe you're not, but just know it's around the next corner. Pain comes for each and every single one of us. It is coming, and I'm just telling you, the universal church is not able to adequately disciple you through your pain. Through those seasons and situations where the, the bottom of your stomach drops out and you're not sure how you're moving forward. A chat room will not suffice at that moment. Showing up to a random church on a random Sunday and then going to the next church the next Sunday, it will not suffice when there's deep pain in your life. Listen, a Zoom call is not enough to disciple you through that. You need a particular people in a particular place at a particular time in a local church practices, pain. Number three, number three, the universal church cannot disciple you as well as the local church when it comes to your people, your community, your crew, 
right? The, the people you run with, your people. So on sabbatical, Marcy and I, we would go to uh, some churches in person. We'd go to our friends' churches in person and, and see their churches, and that was great. Uh, and we did some online church. That's the benefit of post-COVID is like we can watch any church from start to finish anywhere we want at any time. And honestly, some of them were simply incredible, like some of the stuff we got to see and be a part of was incredible. I mean, we heard some of the very best preaching in the entire world that I don't get to hear because I stand here. You don't get the incredible preaching. You have to listen to me. I got to listen to the best, all right? It made me slightly self-conscious when after a service, Marcy would be like, oh, that was so good. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm on sabbatical, babe, right? <laughs> Listen, we heard some of the best, like literally the best worship teams in the world. All professional musicians, the highest production level out there. We witnessed that. And listen, we even experienced some of our friends' churches, like small local churches like Fathom, but ones that aren't ours, right? And they were legitimately great. Great people, great programs, great services. We loved it. But after every single church experience on sabbatical, we would literally look at each other and just be like, Ugh. like it could be the very best in every measurable category. And it left us a bit un underwhelmed. And upon reflecting, we realized that we really weren't attending church at least for us. Like we were attending services, some of them really excellent services, but it wasn't church. It wasn't church. Why? Because you weren't there. Because you're our people. The music was great. Listen, musically, Amanda, it was better. But it wasn't you. It wasn't you. I mean, it wasn't you guys. It wasn't better for that reason. The preaching was really great. Okay, really way better than you get from me. But, but it wasn't me, right? Like, come on. <laughs> and listen, even our friends, like good friends of ours, even their churches, like there are good friends. But they aren't our week in and week out people. Right? They're, they're not our spiritual community where we are, to borrow a normal phrase that I hate to say, where we're doing life together. They're just not those people for us. See, the universal church is not able to disciple you in community. It can only help uh, happen uh, when, when people see you in the good parts of your life and the bad parts of your life. It can only happen when, when, when people see you in your highs and in your lows, in the whole of your every day, every week, every month, real life. Do you have this? You have a crew. You have people. Do you have a local church? See, the universal church can't be your people. You need a local church for that. So um, those are my three, the three Ps. Uh, when all said and done, 
as we reflect, sabbatical was kind of lousy. Kind of, all right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't, but what, what I do mean is while, while we feel very deeply rested from our work as the pastor and his wife of this church, like while we feel, I mean, genuinely well-rested from that, we learn just how deeply important the local church actually is, not only for everybody else, but for us. See, before we left, uh, sometimes you guys would say things like, uh, I would say like, oh, we're going to miss you guys. And you, you would kind of, I know what you're trying to get at, but you'd be like, no, you're not. Like, you're gonna be like, no, you're not. But we really did miss you. We really did miss you, church. And, and, and we also learned that there isn't any other church for us. Like, um, some of you asked, well, are you going to come back? which I think is actually birthed out of the idea that a lot of pastors go on sabbatical trying to process, like maybe God is, is moving us to a new ministry or to a new call or to a new church. Like, like, so, so you ask that in, in, in a genuine hope that maybe we would come back, right? Well, we come back from sabbatical. Marcy and I come back from sabbatical knowing that Fathom is our church. Okay, we've, listen, we've been to the best out there and there's no other church for us. So here's my application, uh, my first application. We'll talk a couple more weeks on this, but here's my first application for you from sabbatical. I want you to push all in to the local church. If it's fathom, man, let's do it. It's, it's fall, like it's fall connect time. It's like, let's, let's start, let's, let's push back in together. So I, I put on your chairs those little, you know, quarter slips of paper I want you to, to fill those out if you're not connected. Okay, on one side is a place for groups. If you want to connect with people, if you need people who will process pain with you, who will encourage you in your practices, if you need that, sign up for a group. Okay, we're, we're filling all the slots so that we can get to Labor Day and launch these things. So fill that out. On the flip side of that is a place for you to serve. Maybe you're not doing anything. Man, let's get into ministry together. Let's do this together. The staff, the elders, many of you volunteered and, and this church kept moving forward even without us here. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing these things together. Fill those out, get them to me, one of the staff, put them in the giving box, I don't care. But listen, let's push all in. And, and now hear me, if it's not fathom, I wanna give you gentle permission to, to get out of here. I just I do. I just do. I'd much rather you leave and find a church where you can go all in than stay and kind of hang out on the periphery. I just want to call you. We, 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 we did this for three months. It was awful. We want to be with you. We want you to be with us. So let's push in together. So what I learned on sabbatical is that the universal church cannot disciple you. You need a local church, and you are that for us, and we will be that for you moving forward. I love you, church. Let's pray together, okay? Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for the gift of the church. Lord, biblically, this isn't something that's optional for us. Whether it's people meeting in a house or 
people in a city or people in a region or all people of all times, Lord, this is not an optional thing because Christ came and died for the church. He gave himself up for the church. He loved the church so much that he was willing to pour himself out for her. And if he cares about that, then we should care about that. So Lord, I'm thankful that through all this sabbatical hardships and lessons, you taught me just a new love for your bride, for your church. And I pray, Lord, that that would be for us, that our hearts would be knit together, that we would grow with one another like iron sharpening iron, that we would not neglect meeting together, that we'd practice all of the one another's of the New Testament and that you'd take us deeper because of it, that you'd mature us, to disciple us in this church. So God, we love you. We're looking forward to the fall. We pray, Father, you bring men and women, students and children who need a people. And Lord, we, we pray we'd welcome, in it, welcome them in and graft them right into this body. So Lord, we love you. We bless you today in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.